Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited that you tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you're listening from, we hope you are encouraged by this message. Hi, my name's Judy, if you don't know me. Um, I was asked to speak tonight um, on belonging. Yes, you should know by now that that's our theme, right? Okay. All right. Um, I will tell you, I'm American. I'll blame that on everything loud and obnoxious. Um, and Sam's the same way, so that's proof. There we go. And his mother's over there, and Lord knows. She's worse. Okay, we love her, though. So we're going to talk about belonging tonight. And if Jacob's got my back, he's got some slides, because I inundated him with them at 10 till. All right. I'm going to just start out by clarifying, because I've been a joke since I've been up here. I know I've been joking. I love God. Like, there are many reasons that some of you would probably know. The only way I would even be standing here right now, still in Australia, or for any reason, is I absolutely positively have to love God. No, I love Australia. That's not it. I'm talking about personal issues. Um, reasons. Yeah, I realize how that sound afterwards. We're actually trying to become permanent residents, so that should clear that up right now. Um, I want dual citizenship. I'm not ready to give up in the U.S. yet. I still, still hope. So, yes, I have the microphone. Anyway. <laughs> I absolutely love God. I mean, like, unashamedly, unabashedly love God. And I know for a fact I would not be standing here who I am with the people in my life that I have if I didn't actually love him the way that I do. Because with love comes trust. And it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to trust fall and you literally see nothing there. All right? And then and, and throwing those temper tantrums in the middle of the night and, and, and fussing God out with everything but the curse word. I'm not going to get personal if you cuss him out. God's got your back. But loving God is critical to getting through. So we're going to talk about belonging tonight. Our first scripture, Psalm 24.1, says that God claims, maybe not. Okay, so God claims the world as his. Everything and everyone belongs to him. So we belong to him. In Ephesians 2, do you have my three-ish to six or no? Okay, it's the message version, so it's like three-ish. Because if you know the message Bible, it won't tell you which verse is which. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. And he did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. So first, we belong to him. Second, we are seated with Christ. We are literally belonging to him, sitting next to him in a chair. So let's just establish point one very quickly. We belong to God. Right? That establishes everything that comes after this. So what do we do with that? We do great things. We walk away. We're like, hey, high five God. Good morning, seeing you. Now I'm going to go live my life. I'm good. I got this. I can do it. I'm all right. Isn't that what we say? People ask you how you're doing when you're going through stuff. I'm good. Lying. You know, tell people, pray for me. But as we say, we're good. We're good. I'm not good outside of God. So we're not, and we need to be honest about that. We're not created to be alone. That's it, period, end of discussion. God didn't even work alone. He had in us. In Genesis 1, 26, 3, 22, and 11, 7, he said, let us make man in our image. And then he said, behold, the man has become like us. And then he said, let us go down there and fix those people that were trying to build that tower. He said us three times, at least that I know of. So if God had an us, we need an us people kind of thing in our lives. 
So we need to stop right now and say, I got this. I don't need anybody. That's all a lie. That's all the enemy trying to corner you, get you alone, and try to take you out. All right? So this, this is an us thing. All right? It's first him and us. And then it's an us thing. All right, now just, I'm going to give you a minute, and I want you to do this. And every time you tell somebody to turn around, you end up looking at back of somebody's head, but try to recognize it. Look around at everybody in the room. There's not a living soul. Take a minute, look across the room, scan it. There's not a living soul in here you don't need. All right, we need each other. And this is just a very, very small portion of the body of Christ. We are a local body. We're actually local to east side across from the soccer park. There's probably like 11 churches in town. All right, so this is just our portion of belonging. But we belong to a really big picture. All right, so just get over the, you know, I don't like somebody thing is you're literally saying, I don't like the God in that person. All right, so we, we've got to start putting aside our, ourselves and get to work because we have a work to do. All right, so I think, um, Rupert, last week didn't you mention that God did not make us to be alone? Yes, you did. <laughs> he said that it's not good for man to be alone, but I will make a help meet for him. God had his people, and he made sure we had ours. All right, so is this inarguable now? Are we good? All right. In his own design, God knew that we needed to be physically and emotionally connected to each other. We knew, he knew that we needed something here, and as God does, he provided it. So let's stop fighting it. So it's been established that we are meant to be together, part of something bigger, so much bigger than our natural minds could ever comprehend or think, or even in our lifetime could we even possess what God has for us. All right, we are part of a plan that is a thousand years old and will infinitely last after our passing. We're just a small portion of it. What are we going to do with it? Michael Norton, a social science researcher, I don't know if you have that slide, Jacob, did a TED Talk on how to buy happiness. In there, he discussed the evidence of time and time again across countries on different continents. They did a study where they would give people money and tell them to spend it on themselves or spend it on somebody else. Afterwards, they were asked to describe the level of happiness they had when they chose the option they did. With only one exception, which you can see there, which I won't name so we won't get super judgy. Um, with only one exception, the choice of giving to someone else overwhelmingly produced a greater feeling of happiness than when spent on themselves. All right, so that is his, that's how big the study was, okay? This is not arguable. Giving to somebody else, $5 or $20. They could get, they spend it on themselves, Spend it on somebody else or actually give it to a charity. One country, and there's actually something going on pretty dramatic in that country, and it affects a neighboring country, who happened to be the greenest next to that red country. And if you're analytical like I am, you might be able to figure out why if you go back and look at that. So for, what, 99%, people are happier giving to somebody else because that's what we're designed to do. Our God gave all that he had. And in return, all he's asking us to do is give a little bit. All right, so the word proves we are better together, and our TED Talk confirmed it, amen? Cool. So one, it's established we belong to him. Two, it's established we are better together. So how do we mesh this whole thing of being part of God, being part of his plan, and being part of each other's lives? How do we mesh it together? I've never actually used this verse verse in a sermon before. This will be my first time because I think it's so cliche. That's my flesh. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, 
right? That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. Faith is amazing. Love is amazing. Both of these things are why we belong to him in the first place. And why we can do and be so much more than we could ever dream or think of ourselves. I never would have thought any time prior to 2012 I'd be in the outback, or Australia for that matter. Never. If I go back to my childhood, I wouldn't even think I'd actually be standing in a church. We all have that story. Amen? But I will share with you why you always hear me talk about love, even in a conversation with me. I never heard I love you growing up because of the environment I grew up in. So when I got saved, it was a staggering emotion. It was an overwhelming emotion. And I'll be comical as I always am and act it out. I've never seen the movie, but you know Titanic? You know the scene? That's my best visual descriptor of what it felt like to give my life to Christ. (laughs) Total abandonment. Total abandonment. I I didn't even know if I could articulate or myself understand what is this emotion? This is love. Like, I thought I loved my daughter, but this was, like, bizarre because I had not experienced that. Love literally is everything. God made us. He loved us. We made a big mistake. He sent his son to die for us because he loved us. Right? It's all... God is good. God is good. All right. Let me focus. I have eight minutes and I'm holding to that. You all can keep looking at the clock point when it gets to one minute. All right. There's a reason why Jesus said the greatest commandments when he was asked. He said the first commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. If we love God with all our heart, we will naturally love our neighbor as ourselves. If we truly have the first the second comes naturally. All right? So you've got to love God first. First John 4, 7, 8 talks about love extensively and how it connects us. And it literally declares in there that God is love. Love is a fundamental part of his nature. We are only able to love him or anyone else because he first loved us. And we are only able to give freely to others what he has freely given us. Matthew, that's Matthew 10. That's all scripture. But the point of this message is If God is not the love of our life, there's no way that we can truly love our neighbor. And there's no way that we can truly work together. We will always choose self first. My son was talking to me. He's not here. I did not clear this with him, so you can tell him later. I told the story. My son was talking to me over time on an ongoing issue physically with him that's just really testing his faith. And um, mom, scripture, do this, do that. Sometimes, hey, literally, just stop talking. I'm tired of hearing you complain about the same thing. Do something. Change something, you know? This time I said, I could hear it. I could hear it. I'm not going to quote scripture to you. I'm not going to ask you where your faith is. I asked him one question. Do you love God? And he was quiet. And he's like, mom, I'm, you know I love God. What are you asking me? I said, would you unequivocally stand up right now, wherever you are at, and say out loud, hey, I love God. I love God. I love God. I'm actually in love with God. And he paused for a few seconds and said, no, I probably can't make that declaration. I said, therein lies your problem. You cannot empower faith. You cannot empower any type of belief system that God is asking you to do when you quote scripture over any circumstance in your life. If you don't trust him and if you don't love him, you don't trust him. And that's bottom line. 
Do you love God? It requires faith, trust, belief, and it also produces all of that. So one, we said, was it established that we belong to him? Two, we are better together. But the third and final point is love brings it all together. I'm in love with God, not a natural or, or a physically connected type of love. It's a type of love that I need to be a part of. It's a excited, what's next, what's possible, what are you going to do now, God, type of love. And when you grow up in, in certain environments, you just, you know, don't have those barriers and those, those uh, rules that, God, you can do whatever you want. I'm telling you, when you live inside of rules and barriers with promises, it's exciting. It's enthralling. What are you going to do today? I don't come in here ever expecting anything other than God is going to save, heal, deliver, and set the captives free. This is my body. You are my people. We are coming in here joining how many kilograms, if you will, of faith. People should be you know, growing arms back up in here. They should be doing it at your job, in the streets. You know, all things are possible. If you're coming in here just thinking, oh God, I hope the songs are good tonight, you are seriously limiting God and what he can do and what he can do in you. So in him I live, move, have my being. And from him I'm connected to this amazing organism called the body of Christ, the church. It's automatic. My name is just added. There's nothing I could do about it. All I had to do was choose. I chose him. My name went in the book. Now what? I belong here, and that too is a choice. Here. Life-changing, life-altering, life-overflowing possible choice. Not that we won't go through, but we will go through differently when we have him and when we have each other. We won't carry it all by ourselves. I can promise you from living, breathing experience, as I told you in the beginning, that my love for God is why I'm standing here. That's it. Uh, the only reason I'm still standing here on this platform, let alone in Australia, is because I love God. We need God, and we weren't created to be without him. When we don't allow him or don't spend time with him, when we don't allow him in or don't spend time with him, we are out of sync with how we were created. Like an orchestra missing its first or even third chair cello, it's not complete. Can it go on and perform? Yes, but it's never going to be at its finest or its best without you. Final question. Am I better than you? Absolutely. And absolutely not. I'm better you at my part of the body, at my gifts and talents. There is no better Judy Koontz than me. None of y'all would want to be me anyway. Praise the Lord. Yes, there's no better Judy Koontz than me. But I can't do you, and that's literally it. I can't do you, so I need you. You make a better us. Ephesians 2, 7 through 10 says, Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in the world, and the next to shower, and, and he's the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea, all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. Next. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. I'm going to close with a quote from Mother Teresa. It is more important to do small things with great love than to do great things with small love. I love you, Jacob. So it's, it's more important to do small things with great love than great things with small love. That's my word. 
You belong to him. We belong to each other. We can't do any of it without love. That's it. It's inarguable. It's scriptural. It's the word. If you're not spending time with him, start there. Because that's usually what the struggle is. There's no point, especially if you're single, going out and finding somebody to love when you haven't loved God first. The stuff you're going to bring into your marriage is ridiculous. Experience speaking. Okay? Right, so you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Naturally, everything else in the Word of God will flow out of that. Ask Him first. Seek Him first. He is your prophet. Stop asking other people. God can tell you. Right? When you don't think you can do it, find somebody. Find a believer. Any believer where two touch and agree. God can do anything. You don't got to find a good speaker. Because for all you know, I might be able to come up here and speak this word. But for all you know, my life is a mess at home. All right? So ask the person next to you. Powerful faith. Powerful prayer. God can do anything through you. Anything for you. You just got to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, please consider joining us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at desertlifechurch.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Have a great week.